Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps and encourages you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, it is good to be with you this morning. We've got a special guest speaker this morning. (laughs) So special she happens to be my wife. Let's give her a big happy birthday. If you didn't know, it was her birthday today. She looks so good at 24. I know. My goodness. man. Uh, I love you. I love you. You're going to do amazing. Thank you. Really, I'm 44. Jay goes, wow. So our six-year-old. So that was encouraging this morning. And then my baby sister said, oh, because she said, how old are you? I said, 44. She goes, oh. So I'm like, so please don't do that today. Okay. Just like, just today, just be nice. You know, like I'm like one day they, you know, the guys up here are kind of sarcastic. And so it kind of started this morning. And I said, I just want one day. Just one day with no sarcasm. So um, we'll see how that goes. I am married to Brian C., so I'm not sure that's going to last all day. Because the more he loves you, the more he picks on you. So, <laughs> well, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to get started. God, I thank you and praise you for who you are. I thank you for every person seated here and every person that's listening live right now. And God, I thank you that you have a word Uh, for each person. God, I thank you that it be deposited in their heart this morning. That God, I thank you that the the ground that it would be planted on is ready for harvest. I thank you, God, that they are at a place to receive, Father God, what is going to be spoken today. God, I thank you that you help my mouth be like the pen of a ready writer. And God, I only say the things that you want said in this service, in this time. And we thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been going through a journey for, uh, I think, almost about a year um, on, I was talking with a counselor one time, she's a a dear friend of mine, but she has her master's degree in counseling, so it's funny, we'll be talking, um, and then all of a sudden, it switches, and I'm like, why am I crying? What did you just do? Um, so she does it very, um, I, I don't know, she just does it really well. And you, you met them before they came here, uh, Daniel and Jackie Groves. They pastor Hope City Church, which is an incredible church in Houston. Um, and I remember one day I was in the church parking lot sitting in my car talking to her because if you have children, you know sometimes the only place where it's silent is your vehicles, um, if they're not in it, of course. And she said, what I think you have is an issue with control. I was like, No. What do you what do you mean? Like I don't what do you mean an issue with control? So I I was like, I mean, what do you mean by that? She's like, well, you're explaining to me all these different scenarios, and it and it seems like anything, anytime something's out of con in control in your mind, not in your grasp to control, you don't like that. And I'm like, well, who does? Like, so I started getting kind of defensive because I'm like, you know, don't be calling me, even though I'm asking for help, you know. And, and so I've been on this journey to really realize the issue that I have with control. And so today, if you're taking notes, we're going to call this out of control. And something that God began to take me on in this journey of understanding that uh, control is such an illusion. I think the moment we think we have it, we really don't. And I think a lot of times our walk with God is hindered because we can't control it. Our walk with God sometimes is not as intimate or we're not as trusting because we can't control how it looks, what the outcome is, and what's going to happen. You know, last week, it was so wonderful. We were honored for pastor appreciation, and I took that basket home, and I put it in a controlled environment, which was our bedroom, and I shut the door, and I laid out all the stuff, and, you know, my husband, different people, you want us to help you? No, I don't need you to help me. I've got this. I I've, I've, I've know what I'm doing here. You let me control this. 
I don't say that, but that's literally what I'm saying. And so I do all of the things and we have this, this little file folder thing where I put in all for our date night so we can see which ones we go to. And this year they had got us some clothing ones and we were like, this is awesome. If you saw, there was like a Nike gift card and we were like, yes, because we love shoes. And so I was so excited. So this weekend we went to St. Louis because I had to see Cece Winans live. No? Okay. I've been listening to her sing for 29 years. So if there's somebody that, that taught me how to sing, it was Cece Winans. She doesn't know it. I've messaged her, but I didn't hear back, but it's okay. I let her know <laughs> that this white girl up in Arkansas learned how to sing because of her. My first Magnavox boombox with a CD was there, her and B.B. Winans, which I thought they were married for years. They're brother and sister, but it's fine. So that was awkward when I found that out. I was like, wait a second, what? Um, so, because there's like 10 of them, and they all sing together. And I, my first CD was Addicted Love by C.C. Winans. So we were driving down to St. Louis, because Brian got me the VIP pass, and it just meant I got a lanyard that was signed. I was hoping we were going to get a meter. That didn't happen, but that's okay. I was on the eighth row, so I was like, hey, girl, you know. We tight, you know, and I was singing all the songs, you know, and, and I was having a blast. And so as we're driving to St. Louis, Brian's like, hey, did you bring any of those shopping carts since we're going to be out shopping? And I was like, oh my gosh, no, I was trying to do really good, you know, and usually, you know, I'm having to pack for so many people. So to only have to pack for myself, I usually do worse. It's like if I've got everybody's stuff and I was like, no, I didn't get them. And he's like, man. And I said, well, maybe, maybe I can call Kat and she can give me the numbers off the back of them. So I call her and, you know, she's watching both of the girls and I'm like, can you go in my room and the side bit, you know, I'm trying to explain it to her and she's like, there's nothing here. And Brian goes, oh no, you put them in a safe place. Because anybody that knows me, there's this thing I say when I can't find things. I'm like, oh, I put it in a safe place, but it's not the same place. It's a safe place that day. So that could be different things. And I've done it here in the church. I remember, you know, Haley asked me one time, she's like, oh man, did you put that in a safe place? Because <laughs> she knows what happens because I have this idea. I'll remember and I don't. And I was like, so I, I have her going in my closet and I have her doing this. And Brian goes, surely with how you laid out everything, you didn't throw them away. I mean, that's like several hundred dollars. And I'm like, I don't need you to tell me how much it is. I said, I had a plan. I had it laid out. He said, I get that, but you didn't want any help. Are you sure? In, in the excitement. So I called Kat and I said, the trash men haven't come yet. I'm going to need you digging the trash. Because I said, I don't think they're in there, but he's just going to keep saying it. So let's just, you know, look. And so she goes out there. She's got us on FaceTime because I think she knew in her spirit they're going to be in here. And we're going we're gonna to really show this, you know, her what's going on, you know. So all of a sudden, and, and, and let me explain. If you saw the basket last week, they're gift cards that are taped onto a really long skewer stick. And here they come out of the trash. <laughs> One skewer stick. Two skewers. I'm just seeing hundreds as it's going through. And I realized in that moment that, that my control actually created chaos. My need to control a situation and to say, no, I've got this, I got this figured out, actually created more chaos than was needed. I sent her $10 for looking through the trash so she can go get her coffee because that's gross. I get it. I blessed her. And so today, the reason I want to talk about this is because I think that's what we're grasping for so much. Instead of grasping for rest or for trust, we're grasping for control. Uh, we go to God in prayer, not because we're asking him for his peace and his rest. We're going to God in prayer because we want to know, what are you doing? I have to know I need to be in control. Uh, Paul David Tripp, one of my, my favorite theologians, he says this, I've learned the hard way that my life was either propelled by hope motivating rest in God's authority or fear inducing belief that success would be the result of me controlling everything. 
So I want to take you to Matthew 4. And I'm going to read a little bit. And, and, and as soon as you get there, you're going to know this is Jesus in the wilderness. But I, I just want you to look at it a little bit differently today. That's all I ask. Because today, when I say out of control, I'm not saying for your life to be out of control. What I'm saying is I need you to be out of control so that you actually pick up something else. You know, if I'm out of heavy cream, my next option would be what? Like half and half. You're, you're going to get a substitute. So when I say out of control, I want you to start learning today to substitute something else instead of control. Because I believe life would begin to shift. And it says in verse 4, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Well, who wouldn't be? <laughs> I wish sometimes they could like make like funny side notes because that's what happens in my head when I'm reading. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, which I want to stop right there, you do not need to prove who you are to anyone, especially the enemy. The enemy has been using the word if from the very beginning. If God didn't want you. Okay, just side note. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written. I want you to write down the first thing. It's not, a, it's not about what you can control, but what you can confront. Everything in the Bible is given to us to confront the enemy, to confront situations. Well, what does confront mean, Alicia? I'm so glad you asked. When we confront something... We are coming face to face to deal with it. I know some Christians, when the enemy comes with a question, they just run or, 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 and when I say run, not physically run, it's like I'm not even going to deal with that. And the Bible's very specific that you take every thought captive. That doesn't mean that you ignore every thought that comes in. If I was to take someone captive, what would that look like? Have you ever done that with the wrong thought? Okay, so if I'm, I'm, I'm going to kidnap someone, not really, so don't take that part online, okay? And I'm going to hold them captive. We've all seen the movies. They interrogate them. Have you interrogated why the thought that you are having is there? Have you taken that thought captive enough to understand, man, I keep noticing that this is here. I need to take this thought captive. Because I have to figure out why does this thought keep coming? The scripture in 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey God. When I was watching a movie the other day, they had somebody taken captive, and what they were saying, if you will do what we want you to do, we will let you go. So what am I telling you to do? You tell your thought. If you will line up with the word of God, I will release you. But until you do, you're not going anywhere. Because I'm not dealing with this thought anymore. Because I deal with this thought. I keep trying to control situations I cannot control. You cannot control what the enemy throws at you. You cannot control what happens in this world and what comes at us. What I have the ability to do is to confront what's coming. And I don't think a lot of times we, I know for me, I wasn't doing that. I was figuring out what can I change in my schedule to control this more? What can I do here to control this more? If I feel out of control, you, you, will, you will notice in my home, all of a sudden I will start cleaning. And one day Kat was like, you have vacuumed three times. 
And I was like, because today doesn't feel like a very controlled day. And so that is how I begin to cope with doing that. Not that cleaning is wrong, but it's an escape for me to feel this at least I can control. I can hold a vacuum, push that Dyson button, and I can just go around, and I can get this stuff what I want. Because I'm looking to control. When you read further on, you see it again. Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. I've had people say before, well, I mean, it's got to be God because it was kind of spiritual. No, right here, the enemy is actually quoting scripture to Jesus to convince him to do what he wants him to do. Jesus cannot control the fact that the enemy is there in the wilderness. And it's very interesting to me that the enemy waits till day 40 when he's at his weakest point. And I'll hear it time and time again. My gosh, how much more can I take? Well, the enemy's coming because he keeps seeing its weakness and weaker and weaker. So he's like, I'm going to keep pressuring and keep pressuring until you say, wait a second. Somewhere I have begun to believe that I can't live better than this. Somewhere there's a belief, there's a thought that I have not taken captive. Taking a thought captive is not quoting one scripture when you have a thought and then walking about your day and thinking it's over. Taking it captive is interrogating that thing till you know why is it there. Why do you think people who are emotionally healthy are emotionally healthy? Because they have processed, why do I react and think the way that I do? Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I talk the way I talk? You know how you have a healthy marriage is when something is said and the other person goes, whoa, I don't know why you reacted like that. And you begin to have a healthy conversation. And you begin to, I, I love it. Brian, last night, we, you were just in a little something and he goes, what do I need to do in this moment? Because apparently I have said something that just wasn't right. And I was like, thank you. Like, that was so sweet of you to say that. And I hugged him and everything was good. He's like, sometimes I just don't even realize what I say. And it's like, if we could just almost just be that way sometimes. But a lot of times I think in our life we're looking and we're desperately trying to control. And, I, and, I, and even having kids, my control even went up to another level. Because it's like, oh my gosh, what's happening? What are we going to do? And I've even had to process, even with my younger sisters, there's things I, I felt like I could control them in a certain way. I would say certain things if I wanted them to be at a church event. And youth kids, I mean, I've had to process and think, man, you loved people a whole lot, but there was a lot of control there without realizing it. Because I don't want anybody to go through pain. I don't want people to, to have to go through something. So if I can just tighten it, they'll be good. But all of a sudden, you are literally taking the breath out of people's life. Because we're looking so desperately to control things that when we stop, we can't even breathe ourselves because we are desperately trying to live a life of control instead of living a life of trust. And saying, God, I want to rest in who you are. I can't control outcomes. I, no one told me ahead of time, hey, you're, you, when you're born, you're going you're gonna, to you know, live this life and you're going to have you know, parents that are ministers and it's going to be awesome and there's going to be a lot of just kind of expectations on you, but you'll do great. It's going to take you for a while to get married and, and it's going to hurt a little and then you're going to get married and it's going to be awesome, but then you're going to deal with two deaths and his dad and your dad and then you're going to miscarry two weeks later and then you're going to go on a five-year journey of trying to get pregnant, not understanding why you're serving God. 
and you're going to go through some heartache, and you're going to go through some church stuff, and it's going to be hard. And then we're going to ask you to be lead pastors, and you and Brian swore to each other when you were dating you would never be lead pastors. No one gives you a storybook to let you know this is what's going to happen. And I say all that to say I had no control over any of it. And we like to think we do. And I think what we've been given the ability to, yes, we have free will, absolutely. But this is a lot of times what happens with free will. Eve wanted to control what she had versus what God gave her. Cain wanted to control what he gave versus giving what God asked for. Abraham wanted to control timing instead of allowing God to run the time of what it was supposed to be. And I started looking through the Bible and I could just keep going on and on. And I saw it. Anytime somebody grabbed for control, they missed exactly what God had. Now, is he redeemer? Yes. Can he turn all things for good? Yes. But I think to myself, would they have wished they had gotten it the first time? That they didn't think, man, I have to control all this. I have to do all this. And when I go back to this story in the wilderness with Jesus, and here he is, and, and here he is in this situation where I, we don't... I, I'm just giving what I see in the Bible. I don't see that he was even prepped that it was going to be a long time in the wilderness. It said the spirit led him there. And if it was anything the way God leads us, we're not given any instruction. We're just kind of dropped off. So I don't know how long Jesus thought he was going to stay there. Every day if he was like, oh, another one. Okay. But the Bible's telling us he was hungry. He was at a place where I feel like the enemy thought, okay, now I think I've got him. And I think we have to be aware when we're at that place where we feel almost completely depleted. You know, the enemy loves to come when you've had the most stressful day. Why? Because he knows you're at your weakest point to maybe succumb to addiction or different things. Why? Because we're in that mode in that moment. And the devil waited. He didn't come the first day, the second day. He waited till day 40. And he comes. And then he starts asking him, if you do this, if you do this. And we read down and he says... Verse 7, Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. But then again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. You know what? A lot of people don't parallel there or see there that this was the enemy's way of giving Jesus an escape from the cross. The devil was very aware what the plan was. I'm sure the plan had, had been set in place when, when he had been up in heaven himself. He was very aware that Jesus was going to come and die for all and save us our sins. And what the enemy is trying to do is he's trying to get him to negate the cross. Can we do this? And can we? Here's a shortcut. And I want to ask you today, has control caused you to have shortcuts? Because you need to control a situation, because you need to make sure that it goes the way that you want it, how you've planned it, have you done that? I think a lot of times people do that with their finances. It's, man, I know the church is saying this, but they find somebody that has misused money in the church, and there's going to be those people, and, and they go, see, this is why I don't give to the church. This is why. Yeah, but people misuse their salvation, and I don't throw away salvation. Uh, people misuse the name of Jesus all the time, and I don't throw Jesus away. I just make sure that I pray about where my finances are being sowed and I make sure it's good soil. But it doesn't negate the fact of what God asked for because I don't get to choose what I want to give. See, I don't, people don't have control when they go to the restaurant. When you get the ticket, that's what you got to pay. But for some reason, we think in our walk with God, we can control what we want to give him. 
We can control how we want to give him, when we want to give him, as long as it fits our timeline, as long as it fits in with what I have, that's what I'm going to do. And when I look at this story, I see Jesus, even in a moment of being vulnerable, even in a moment of being so hungry, and maybe at a place where he has felt forsaken. I mean, he had a high moment right before the wilderness. Man, I mean, he heard heaven open, and it says, this is my son who I am well pleased I can't tell you what happens a lot of times in services where God moves the most powerful. Mondays are some of the worst days because you come from such a high of what God has done and the enemy's aware of that and here he comes. And the enemy sees that God has said, this is him. And he goes, what can I do? And he comes up with a plan. But I love Jesus. He says, then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve And the devil left him, and the angels came and were ministering to him. The angels came after Jesus confronted the devil, not controlled the outcome. Because controlling the outcome would have been him taking him up on one of his offers. Because then Jesus would have been in control of his own life. And actually, when we relinquish control to God, we actually are giving our life as a living sacrifice And it says in that moment is when the angels came and they ministered to him. If you feel depleted, is it because you're holding control and God can't send the ministering angels to come and minister to you because you've not relinquished what you think? I thank God that I did not marry the person that I thought first I was supposed to marry because I would have controlled that situation. It was a very meek guy So I could have been in charge very easily. If you get my drift, if you've known me for any, I'm kind of a strong-willed person. But it was such, everybody thought, oh, this is so God. We had the same birthday. We were born the same year. Everybody thought that in itself was God. I think it's weird because it was like, who celebrates who more? So that just would have been awkward. But we worked in youth ministry together, and everybody was like, this is it. And I remember knowing it wasn't God. And I remember feeling that way because when we would hang out, I'd want to leave. It's not normal. And if you're single, I'm going to tell you this. If you're with somebody and you're tired of them within 10 minutes, they ain't the one. (laughs) Brian, I would desperately want to like leave the phone on as we would fall asleep. Like that was me. Like, you know what I mean? I knew he was the one because I didn't get tired of him. I would drive all the way from Oklahoma City to see him. I would get speeding tickets to come and see him. So first one, but it's all right. It was worth it. And I'll never forget, it had been two years after I had broken up with this guy, and I thought to myself, that was probably the best you're going to get. So you're going to need to go, and you're going to need to apologize, and then you're just going to let him know this is the real deal and to take you back. I didn't know what was going on in his life. (laughs) But this is just what Alicia does. So I called him because you didn't text back then, you know. And, uh, you know, the phones that have, like, you know, cordless phones. Yeah, those were cool. (laughs) So um, I called him and I said, do you mind meeting me, you know, up at this church where we worked? Because I wanted it to be spiritual. We could walk the grounds of the church where we had served, you know. Had a plan, okay. And... uh, I'm, I'm just pouring out my heart like, you know, I think I just wasn't ready and I'm saying all this stuff and he's being real quiet and, and he just looks at me, he's like, I'm with someone and I'm getting ready to propose to her in two weeks. I'm like, that is amazing. I am so sorry. You could have stopped me in the very beginning. 
<laughs> Maybe his heart needed to be healed. I don't know. Um, but that's what happens when I take control of things. That's what happens. And I'll tell you what, I was embarrassed for a while. I'm not going to lie about it. Um, I, it. It's one of those things where you just go, oh, that just didn't sit right. And he ended up marrying a beautiful woman. She's so precious. And when my dad was in the hospital, because he, this guy was, had traveled with my dad for a while, which that was awkward too, so, but it's fine. Um, he came up to the hospital and I was like, this is Brian. And so he was short and Brian's like, you know, a man of stature. <laughs> like, you know, I'm mean, like, this is the, you know, the single most ravishing hunk of male flesh you've ever seen, isn't it? So no, I know it was a serious time. So I didn't do all that. I wanted to. But I was very excited to introduce him to him because it was Brian. I was like, hello, it's nice to meet you. No, it's okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I'm petty and I'm working on it, okay? So there are things I'm dealing with. But I just, you know, there was a little bit of a sting. So, you know, your immaturity just comes out in those moments. But I look back at those situations and there's tons. I'm not going to just sit here. You know, I could tell stories because it's biblical, but I don't want to tell too many and take away from the word of God. But I look through my life and I see how much I try to control. I remember telling Brian when we found out my dad was diagnosed with cancer and it was very aggressive. It was stage four colon cancer. I remember telling Brian, okay, now's the time to have a baby. And because in my mind, I could control the outcome because maybe my dad would fight harder if there was a grandbaby coming. And I think a lot of times in our life, we, we, we get to a place where we want to see what we can do to control certain things from not happening. Um, a lot of it's based out of fear, um, and it's not God. And it was realizing that in those moments, really just to lean in, and I look back and I see, God, thank you. Thank you for not bringing a baby during that time. You know, because a little time after my dad passed, my sisters ended up moving in with us. One is still there, so it's just, it's been 10 years, I think, right? Yes, <laughs> you do. <laughs> I mean, it's not a lie. You pay rent, so you're not a freeloader, you know, so. Um, but I mean, so I look at the time that we were with them, and we poured into them, and they were teenagers, and I think to myself, I'm so glad I didn't have a baby during that time God saw and isn't it interesting when we stop and we can take a moment to look back in our lives, we could realize, thank God I didn't have control over that. Thank God I didn't do that. And I want you to write that down because I think what it is is you can't confront without truth. And I think sometimes having truth can come and, and, and trump the ideas that we had or come and trump the situations that we thought Man, I, it would have been better this way. Have you ever had a conversation with God that you've said, if you could just do this, things would be better. If you would just do it this way, if you would make this happen. And God's saying, yeah, but I see a big picture. And I don't know if you understand the big picture. And this is not going to work out the way that you think it will. And this won't end up being good if I let it in. I thank God for the things. Have you guys ever prayed for things you're so glad God did not answer? Yes. Did you hear everybody in the building just say that? So no, we're all in the same boat. Why? Because we, sometimes our relationship with God is so based on the amount of things we can control. If I prayed for somebody and they didn't receive this the way that I thought, and then, and then God gets the cold shoulder for a while. But you're not in control. You know, there's a book, and it was written by a pastor's wife, and it's called The Cost of Control. And it's powerful. And I think that we're all losing at the cost of control, at the need to think I need to control this. When God says, I want you to lay your life out and I want you to, I, I want you to give me your life. 
You know, Bill Johnson says it this way, God doesn't owe me a thing. I don't, he doesn't work for me, I work for him. And I've been in conversations with God, which if you were to sit in them, you would think it was the opposite. Have you ever had those prayers when you come in and you're like, God, I don't know what you're doing, but let me just kind of give you a clear definition of what would be helpful in this, this time. Because maybe you're not aware of the times and what's happening and how long things would be, because I know you don't have time in heaven. So, I mean, I come real, okay? And there are moments I start, and you know what he does? He begins to bring his peace and his truth. Real rest won't ever be found in understanding. It's found in trusting. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. What did Jesus do every time in the wilderness? He acknowledged God. He, he didn't even acknowledge what Satan was saying. He acknowledged God every time. Oh no, it is written. What did he use? He used the word as a response, not his opinion. When thoughts come and attacks come, your opinion does not help. Only the word of God does. If you have a full understanding of what it's saying. If you fully understand what God is trying to say. And I think as, as a body of Christ, I see Christians more than I see unsaved. Let me just say it that way. And they seem more depressed, frustrated, irritated, than any other people. They never sleep. When I worked in the secular world and I'd ask people, how did you sleep last night? They'd say, wonderful. I started working in the church world. Oh, I, I don't ever sleep. Well, something's wrong with you. I mean, I don't know what else. You're like, you need to be able to rest. I get it when you have a newborn and different things like that. But if you are not resting, I would take that to God and say, God, what, what is happening in me? What is going on in me? What thoughts have I not taken captive that I cannot rest at night? When you, you created me to need rest, you created me to rest. This whole work harder than everybody else, show up everybody else, no. Even God himself rested. And when you look at Jesus, there's so many stories in the Bible where he was resting and he went to the mountain and he went resting and in the boat and he was resting he was always so willing to go wherever God was asking him to go and do whatever God was asking him to do. Why? Because he stepped down on this earth to show us an example. And he said, God, I, I'm not going to have control over anything. And we see it in the garden. Not my will. In other words, not what I want right now, but your will. I, I give up control. And we want the life that Jesus had. We want to live the way that Jesus did, but are we able to give up control the way that Jesus did? See, I'm still on a journey, so I'm not up here preaching to you like I have it figured out at all. But day by day, I go, okay, how can I let go more of this? What can I do? Maybe it's taking the shot collar off the dog. I know, calm down. It's okay. Don't write me an email. Because I don't want the dog to follow me. And I know that's what dogs are supposed to do. I know there's something wrong with me. So it's taking it and putting it away and saying, we're, gonna, we're just going to live life and, and loving you. It's little things sometimes, church, where you don't realize you're trying to control every little thing. And especially as a mom, I don't want to do that to my kids. I don't want to control my husband. I want to come with truth if it needs to be. I want to come. And, and, you know, there was a period of time where I was up here leading worship 
And, you know, and they bring the kids in, you know, and I'm the pastor of the church. I'm the worship leader. I show this example. And my six-year-old is over there with a fidget spinner. I mean, and it's an intense service. People are like this. And she's like, and I'm up here and I can feel it. Ooh, when we get home, I'm going to talk to her. Oh, we do not act like this in the presence of the holies of holies. Jesus almighty would not be proud of this. Oh man. I, I remember just building it up. And, and I remember just, just getting to a place and getting frustrated. And I think that second service, I said something stupid out of my mouth to the people in the congregation and I offended somebody and I, I cried about it and had to repent for it because sometimes you just say stupid stuff out of your mouth because you want to control everything. And we went home and I remember just praying and I went to her and I said, hey, I saw you today during worship. She's like, had a fidget spinner. I was like, I know you did, baby. And I said, I said, but I want to talk to you. Like, I know, like at home, you like get on your guitar that you can't play. And uh, you, you just write these beautiful songs for Jesus in your room, top of your lungs and, and all this stuff. So what happens sometimes here? She's like, I get so distracted sometimes. And she said, and then I start thinking people are watching me because my parents are the pastors. And I don't want to like not do something, but I don't want to do something and maybe be laughed at or something. I said, I totally get it. And I said, you know, I'm in front where everybody sees me. So a lot of times what I've learned to do is just close my eyes and just make it about him. And I said, maybe stand maybe more in front of your friends or something like that. And you can just make it about him. We had this beautiful conversation. Before the conversation was going to be, you know, her life was about to be over. And if she didn't learn how to worship, like, it's ridiculous. And all of a sudden, I got to hear her heart. Why? Because I took back control and said, it's not about controlling her. There shouldn't be an extra expectation on her because of what we do. What I wanted her to know is Jesus might have missed her fragrance of worship that day. And man, if you, can t- if you can come at people like that and not like, why don't you got your hands up? You don't love Jesus today? You know what I mean? Because that's my personality and it's so wrong. And it's like, no, maybe somebody's going through something. Maybe their shoulder hurts. And maybe they're really worshiping the Lord and they don't want to lift their hands. But it doesn't take away from the fact that they're really loving Jesus. Because you can have a lot of perspective and not have a lot of truth. You can have a lot of ideas about what's going on, but not actually be walking in the truth. And I just want to, I want to close with this, that this is what I want you guys to do is let God have control while you have trust. What Jesus ultimately did in the wilderness was what Adam and Eve could not do. Adam and Eve were given the ability to control their outcome, and they took it. Jesus was given the same opportunity, and he denied it. And when he denied all of that, he denied some things and most things being in his control. But we are here today because he denied those things. He redeemed what was done in the garden, and he redeemed it in the wilderness. And I think it's such a beautiful story of understanding that when I come with truth, which we know the truth is the word of God. We know that the word is full of the truths of God of what belongs to me. And when I can have that coming at the enemy, when I can speak truth in a situation, not try to control it, speak truth, what begins to happen? Chains begin to break. People's freedom begins to happen. Man, I want, I want a church that's full of free people, not controlled people. You want to see documentaries on controlled churches, you can find them. 
but they don't produce life. And God says we're to live life and live it abundantly. Abundantly means any time a thought comes, I'm going to take this thought captive. And I'm not going to just shove it. I'm going to wait. We're going to find out why this is coming. What happened? What, what, what is happening in my life emotionally, spiritually, that maybe this thought is here? And God, I'm going to give you control because there's somewhere, because this thought's coming, I must be trying to control something and I don't want to do that anymore. I want you to have the ultimate control. I want you in the driver's seat. We put bumper stickers on the car that says, Jesus, take the wheel. But when's the last time you actually let him drive you somewhere? We can say things and they're cute and they're fun. And we're like, oh, we'll sing songs. God is in control. Is he really? We, we sing it, but do we live it? We can say, you turn all things for good. Yeah, but do you let him? Do you sit back and go, okay, God, and, and, and I've done this. God, I have no idea how you're going to turn this around, but I'm excited to see it. I, I have no idea how this situation can, can get any better. I remember when my dad passed, my mom went through a very difficult time. And we've shared this story on our podcast, so I'm not sharing something without her permission. And it was about four years of just very hard relationship and it just was difficult. It wasn't a lot of communication. And I remember crying out to God and saying, I don't know if there's any hope for this. I don't know if this could ever. And you can ask friends of mine. I mean, I, I told them it will probably never be the same. But I quit trying to fix it. I put my hands off of it and I said, God, I'm going to let you just be God. I'm going to let you do what you and you alone can only do. And I'm here to tell you it's not even how it was. It's better than it ever was. It's more beautiful than I could have ever hoped. My one-year-old is homesick right now and my mom's watching online while she's watching my baby so I can be up here today. You can't ask for anything better than that. But it's because I quit trying. And maybe your situation and the circumstances you're in right now haven't changed in a while. Maybe it's because you keep trying to fix it. Maybe you're trying to control all of it instead of just saying, God, I lift my hands. It's why I love worship because it's a sign of surrender. God, I, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need you, I need you, I need you more than anything. And it's letting go of all the things that you think can fix things. It's letting go of all the ideas that you have and saying, God, I just want you to be in control of it all. It's not easy. I think that's why the Bible says you have to renew your mind every day. I don't know why we think once we get it, we're going to get it. No, it's an everyday renewal, constant. Oh man, I'm doing that thing again. Okay, all right, let me get back. Okay. It's a constant renewing. God even tells you that. So if you have felt like not that great of a Christian because you keep dealing with stuff, I, I, I'm here, I deal with something every day. So I, I, it's not about being more spiritual. I think it's the more spiritual we get, the more rest we get in knowing he's in control and we quit trying to control it all. We don't, and, and we stop trying to handle it all. And we just say, God, I give it to you. The author and the finisher of my faith you're the author. I'm going to quit trying to write the story ahead of time. Because he might be in chapter 12 and you've jumped to 15 and he's not finished yet. And that's a lot of times me. I want to go faster than I'm supposed to go. And I thank God 
that Aniah took a three-year journey on top of Jay's five-year journey. And it played out exactly how it was supposed to be because that baby girl was who we were supposed to adopt. And had things been in my control, it would have been different. But thank God we've gotten a little smarter over all these years just to say, God, I just want you to be in control. And if you'll stand to your feet this morning, and I'm going to read this last scripture. Isaiah 26.3 says this, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Let God work on the control and you work on the consistency. The consistency of trust. That God, I fix my eyes on you. God, I, 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 I trust you. I lean not to my own understanding, but in all my ways I will acknowledge you. I will confront when the enemy comes. And I will speak truth that comes from the word. God, I thank you for every person represented in this place right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are pricking areas in our hearts where we are trying to have control. And God, we, we, we let go this morning. God, even if it's just one grip, maybe we still have another grip. And God, I thank you. This is, this is a work in progress. So God, I thank you. But this morning, let it start. That God, we, we begin to loosen the grip of control and we begin to lean in to allow you to rule and reign our lives. That God, when we said a prayer, we said that God, our life was no longer our own, but it belonged to you. It was yours and you were Lord of it. So God, I let go of control and I say, God, have full control of my life. God, whatever you want to speak, I'll speak. God, whatever you want to say, I'll say. God, whatever you want to do, we will do. God, I thank you for every house that's represented in this place. I thank you. Let your glory fill their house, God. Not so they can prove they're spiritual, but because, God, they rest in the fact that you have it all under control. God, parents that are believing for unsaved children or for children to come back, God, I thank you that they relinquish control and they give them to you. That you love them more than we ever could. So God, I thank you for your wisdom that they poured into them will come back in the name of Jesus. Every prayer will be answered in the name of Jesus. God, we come into agreement in this room right now that you are doing far more than we can see right now. Far more than we can know right now. And God, I thank you that we give you full access, God, to control it all. God, we want you to control every bit of it and we say, have your way, Jesus. Come on right now in your own words, just say, Jesus, have your way. I let go of control. Come have your way. If you're in this place this morning and maybe you've made Jesus the Lord of your life before, but you've walked away or for you, you don't know, man, when I did it, I don't know if I truly understood that it meant to give him full access to be Lord of my life. And I want to make that commitment today. Or maybe for you, you've never asked Jesus in your heart. We don't ever want to end a service here or online without giving you that opportunity. If you're in this place this morning and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, give him full access. If you'll raise your hand just for us to see in this place, I just want to see your hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Come on, if you're in this place, do not, do not just sit and wait because you're afraid to lift your hand. He wants, he wants you. He desires to lead you. Come on, we're going to say this prayer. Jesus, I ask you 
come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I thank you, Jesus, that I belong to you today and forever. Amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap this morning. God is good.